Good morning, Living Streams. It's good to see you guys. How are you doing today? That bad, huh? I, I, <laughs> I get it. I get it. We got school starting soon. It's still hot. It's really humid. I totally get it. Um, today is a, a really significant Sunday. Um, the way I wrote it down, I said it's the, the first Sunday of the next 10 months. Um, and if you guys don't know what that means, that's okay. Or if you're new, no problem. Um, no big scandal or anything. It's just that we sent out, like Alex said, kind of nonchalantly, we just sent out our lead pastor onto the mission field for the next 10 months. Uh, and David and Brittany and their three girls, they're going to be going to the Republic of Ireland uh, in a small town called Tipperary. So please be praying for them. Um, they, they had a little hiccup. They're, they're stuck in Chicago right now. Uh, and I got, a, I got a text from him. Uh, they, were, they were all posing in front of the uh, Home Alone house in Chicago. Uh, so <laughs> they're having a good time. They're doing all right. But just pray that everything gets smooth, that they get to, to Ireland smoothly. They hit a couple of hiccups, but nothing big. Um, but as I was looking at this weekend, I was really praying. I, I uh, just, just to be honest, I, I was going, okay, Lord, I know this Sunday is really important, and I really want to put some attention into it. I really want to pray into it. And then uh, Tuesday is a really big day for us. We have staff meeting, a lot of stuff going on. And then I woke up Wednesday, and I wasn't feeling real great. I had a headache, and I was like, eh, maybe it's nothing big, you know. And then Thursday, I woke up, and I just felt like I got hit by a truck. And um, I told the team, I was apologizing ahead of time. I'm like, I am so sorry. Normally, I'd be sending you sermon notes right now, but I am just barely seeing straight, you know. And then we hit Friday and Saturday, and, um, and I, I really feel like the Lord is saying, though, that in this season, uh, just for our team and for our church in a lot of ways, it's like in our weakness, God is strong. He really, truly is. And I feel like today, like, there is just such a, a sense that for, for all of us in, in leadership, as we've been coming up against this season, um, and that's not even the word for it, like, we've been actually excited about this. This is a part of what we do. If you know David, David, even a year and a half ago, came to our team and said, remember, you know, about every six years or so, I go on the mission field. Are you guys thinking about that? You know, um, and we've been, we've been thinking and praying about this for a while. Um, but I, I, I had this very keen sense right off the bat, even when we started dreaming and, and talking about it, um, that this is not a season where we're going to just hold our breath and get through it. This is a season, and David attested this too. He feels the same way, that we are going to take ground for the kingdom and that we have a really good year ahead of us. I really, truly believe that. We have Mario coming in a few days. Mario is going to be starting uh, Living Streams in Espanol. Uh, it's not something different. It is a Spanish exp expression of Living Streams. That is about to start in a few days. Um, and he is coming full force. He oversees like 40 churches in, in Ecuador right now. Like this guy is no joke, and he is really passionate about planning churches here in Phoenix. And so we get to partner with that. We have all these things that are building up. And I, as, as I was looking over this week, just really praying for you guys, really praying for our team, I just have this sense that the Lord is with us, that this is a real real big moment for our church where we get to push back against a lot of the unhealthy things in churches, honestly, where you just kind of work your lead pastor until they're dead and then you move on to the next one. Like that is, that is sadly so normal. And living streams is weird, right? <laughs> and all the good kinds of weird that we just, we let our, our team go. And if you feel called to go, it could be anybody on this team uh, if you feel called to go. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. 
Um, we've just finished our series on Job, and that was a deep dive into a very long book into deep, deep theology. Uh, today, we are going to be learning about basically one word in the greatest verse in the New Testament. You guys ready? Okay. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse uh, 18. I'm not making it up on the spot. I just needed to look. Uh, <laughs> uh, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the purpose of the church. This is the purpose of the church. Stuart on our team sent me a text early this morning, uh, and he was like, hey, so Ryan, do you have a title for your sermon? Which again, normally I have a lot sooner than Sunday morning. And I said, yeah, uh, the title is The Purpose of the Church. This is what we're called to. This is the mission that we're called to do. This is the thing that has not changed for millennia. And I think the church, we, we tend to build it on different things, right? Like we come here and we like the preaching or we like the, the, the different process that we have for discipleship or you like the worship or whatever it is. All of those things are temporary, temporal sort of things, but the true mission of the church has not changed in 2,000 years, and that is to go and make disciples of all nations. If we ever get confused, that is the place we go back to time and time again. And the church always has moments where they veered away from that, and they have to come back to it. This is a beautiful moment. Like, why, why as a church are we sending out our lead pastor? Like, trust me, it's hard for him. Don't believe that just because uh, he's a lead pastor that that's easy for him. It's really hard for him. It's really hard for us on staff. It's like, okay, we're trying to come together. We, get, we've, we were very comfortable in what we were doing, and now we've got a new norm that we've got to figure out, and it's uncomfortable for all of us here in this room. I totally get it. So why are we doing this? Because we believe that going is vital. It's a vital part of pursuing Jesus. This is a, this is a big part of it. And today, I want to hone in on just one word. Go. Go. Now, God could tell you to stay. He's told me to stay here for eight years, and trust me, there's times I really wanted to go. <laughs> I was like, Lord, are you calling me somewhere else? And I just always feel like the Lord's going, no, I'm calling you here. Great, fine, just checking in, you know? Um, but going is such an important part of what we do. And so what, what is it? And I, as, as I'm coming before you today, I feel like there's three, three major things when we're looking at the, the word go. Number one, first and foremost, theologically, let's just get this out of the way, there is something mysterious and purposeful about God's heart for the nations, for the nations. God cares about all the nations in the world, tribe, tongue, nation, Revelation 5. He cares deeply about that. But that's not just a New Testament thing. In Genesis 28, we, we read the story about a guy named Jacob. And this is actually, I've 
The last three times I've preached, I've mentioned Jacob. I don't know why. It just seems like this is the guy I keep feeling like I need to mention. Uh, last, last time, it was because he was wrestling with God, remember? And he gets, he gets renamed Israel, uh, which is kind of the namesake for God's chosen people. That kind of follows along. Um, but he wrestled with God. And I, I, coming out of Job, Job did a lot of wrestling with God. Um, but Jacob, in Genesis 28, he has this vision of heaven and earth touching He sees people going back and forth between heaven and earth. He sees angelic beings. He catches this vision of the spiritual realm. And he's at this place called Bethel, uh, not in Redding, California, Middle East Bethel, different place. Um, And he meets with God and he gets vision from God and God shows up and he speaks to him. And he speaks something very similar that he spoke to his grandfather about his descendants, remember, being like, like, uh, like the sand. And he says this, he says, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. This is in Genesis 28, 14. And you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north to the south. So he's reinforcing this calling that the, the people of Israel are special, they're blessed, they're set apart, all of that stuff. But why? He says, because all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. God has always cared very deeply for the nations. And I know we get in our own nation and God calls a lot of us to our own nation. That's fine. That's good. But sometimes he calls you outside of the nations, and it starts by stirring up our value and our passion toward the nations that comes from God. This is true diversity, and I know we're talking about that a lot in culture right now, but God really is that full expression of diversity. All these churches, this Sunday, we have churches in Nairobi that are meeting and they're doing their thing. We have churches in in England or wherever. They are expressing to God in their culture, in their context, they're worshiping God, and yet we are all unified under the headship of Jesus. We don't all have to look the same. That's not what it is. But God cares so deeply about this this multiple uh, sort of nation expression of following him. So God cares about the nations. He always has. When Jesus says to go into all the nations, this is nothing new. Um, I love in, 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 uh, in Revelation too, it's like from the beginning, Genesis talks about this, but all the way at the end, there is this vision for the end times that every tribe, tongue, and nation will come together, again, under the lordship of Jesus, and they will worship him. This is a part of our inheritance. This is what we're about. When I became uh, a Christian, I, um, and I've talked about this before, I didn't know what to do with my life, uh, which is shocking for an 18-year-old, right? And most 18-year-olds know exactly what they're doing. Uh, I, th- I thought I was gonna be in engineering, and then when I couldn't pass... Uh, Chemistry 101, I felt like maybe that was a roadblock I should pay attention to. Um, uh, but I didn't know what to do. And um, so I went to this organization called YWAM that was wonderful, Youth with a Mission. It's a missions organization, one of the biggest missions organizations in the world. And, and my default just kind of, and this became real formative for me, my default kind of, been, kind of became like, okay, I'm going to go. Lord, if I don't know what to do here, I'm not getting clarity, I'm going to just go. And um, the... The, the base in Honolulu, that's where I did my training, um, it's a lot like every other YWAM base, but instead of this like sort of nifty screen behind me right now, they always have a giant world map behind them. 
Like every YWAM base you go to that I've ever been to, there's this huge world map. And it was the first time I had ever seen people with a heart for the nations. People going up there going, Lord, break my heart for Cameroon. Lord, break my heart for Spitsbergen or whatever random country they were pointing at. Like, just give me your vision for the nations. Give me a vision for the world. And I started to come alive going, wow, there's something so beautiful about dreaming about going. There's something so wonderful and of God to go, all right, Lord, wherever you're leading, I will go. There's something very significant about it. In Matthew 24, uh, Jesus is talking about uh, the end times. And, uh, and he says this, he says, you know, in the end days, uh, in the end times, uh, the gospel will be preached in every nation. And he said, and then the end will come. There's something so mysterious about telling the whole world about Jesus that Jesus is going, in that moment, then the end will come and this, this renewal of the new heaven and earth and all these things will come to a head because of his love for the nations. He's patient and he's waiting for his word to spread there. Right now, there are 17,446 unique people groups in the world and 7,400 of them are considered unreached. Maybe God's calling you to missions, but even crazier, maybe he's calling you to an unreached people group. These are the audacious prayers of people who follow Jesus and go, wherever you go, here I am, Lord, send me. So there's something beautiful and mysterious about God's heart for the nations, that's number one. Uh, number two, going brings discomfort and a willingness to be wholly reliant on the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people that go out on the mission field, and I hear people, and this is my experience too. You go out on the mission field, you preach Jesus, and like 20 times the normal people that would respond at home respond out on the mission field, and you go, what's going on? Like why, like the, the harvest truly is ripe and ready. And I think that there is something about stepping outside of your comfort zone. There's something also kind of anointed, I think, about going to another nation, and God blesses it. And sometimes at home, you're like, I feel like I'm really fruitless in my ministry. And then you go overseas and you go, holy moly, <laughs> it does work. Preaching the gospel does work. Kurt can attest to that. Um, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it, it pushes you outside of your comfort zone. It pushes you into this place where you're going, all right, Lord, what do you want to do? Because I'm not very comfortable. And it, it gives you this sort of awareness of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I remember one time I, uh, I was going on a, a missions trip. Uh, to Chihuahua, Mexico, uh, and, um, and I'd never been to Chihuahua, and our, uh, our connection there, the, the, the guy that we were working with, the pastor there, he said, you know, uh, there is a book fair in Chihuahua, maybe you guys could come lead worship for that, and <laughs> I thought, a, a book fair? You know, I thought about like, you know, fifth grade book fair where you get the little like, you know, magazine and you circle what book you want. I'm like, how is this an opportunity to preach the gospel, you know? And uh, we're like, okay. And, he's, and we asked him a few more questions. He's like, no, you don't understand. Like in Chihuahua, this is a huge deal. Like every year, thousands of people come out and they sell things and they sell books, but they have this huge main stage where there's like thousands of people there. And 
He's like, it's just a really big deal for us. And he said, maybe you guys could come out. Uh, and he knew I was a worship leader and some other people on our team were worship leaders. He's like, maybe you could come out and play some worship music and then preach the gospel. And you could come like, get like a street corner because there's a lot of people that are coming and going. And so he said, okay. And we packed up a bunch of audio gear. We went to Chihuahua, Mexico. And, and as we were getting ready for that day, we were, we were like practicing and rehearsing and the pastor came to us and he said, I'm so sorry. He said, somebody caught wind that we were gonna be doing this on a street corner. And the, the officials came and they said, um, you, you cannot do that. Uh, this is not something that you could just show up and set up your band and start playing music. And um, so we went, oh, shoot. Like we'd been preparing for this for a long time. We were very uncomfortable. We were sleeping like on the floor of this church. And like this, this floor, I mean, it's dirty carpet, but at least it's carpeted. Like where we were at, it was like dusty and like bare concrete, you know. Um, and so we were tired, we were uncomfortable. And, and I don't remember us praying anything real fancy. We just said, Lord, would you just open a door? Like we've worked so hard to get down here and it just feels like, I don't, I don't know why we're here. And and a, a couple of hours later, the pastor came back and um, he came to us. He said, you'll never guess what happened. He said, that guy that told you that you couldn't uh, sing on the street corner, he started feeling bad about it. And he talked to some of the officials and they okayed you going to lead worship at the main stage. And you're able to lead worship and <laughs> preach the gospel. And we were like, holy moly, I can't believe it. And we showed up and played a worship set and, and then somebody on our team that's real fluent in Spanish preached the gospel and a lot of people gave their life to Jesus and it was awesome, it was beautiful. And I never would have experienced that if I had not been uncomfortable and not been willing to hear God lead somewhere different. This is what happens when we get outside of our comfort zone. We went to Peru last year. I remember with a couple years ago, we went with my kids who are sitting right here and uh, we showed up and uh, they open the, the plane door and you get off on the tarmac because it's not a very uh, fancy airport that we were landing in the middle of the Amazon. And, and they open the door and you walk out and my glasses fogged up immediately. And I know, I mean, I'm a Phoenician and I know hot, but this is like different hot. It's humid hot, you know, it's just completely different. And uh, our kids came out and I can't remember which one. They were like, is it gonna be this hot the whole time? <laughs> And we had to break it to him. Yes, it's going to be this hot the whole time. So it's not always comfortable when you, when you step out, but the Lord does a lot through that. But that leads me to number three, and this is the most important one. Going only happens when you believe what you preach. Going only happens when you truly believe what you preach. My wife and I were talking about this. We're like, we really want, we want our kids to be following Jesus. And so we do what everybody else does and we get the new book or start coming up with some plan and then we blow it a couple of weeks later and we're like, shoot, we're not following our plan. And, um, and as we were talking about it this week, I just was hit so hard with, for me, you can only reproduce what you truly are and what you are is dictated by what you believe, right? Your kids will never follow Jesus if you don't follow Jesus, truly, from an honest place. You can't preach the gospel to people if you deep down don't believe in it. We have to believe what we're preaching, you guys. 
we have to believe it. The gospel is the greatest story ever told. We don't graduate past that. If there's one consistent prayer I pray year after year, day after day, is Lord, please don't let the gospel be old in my heart. Please don't let it get so familiar that it loses all its power. I'm reading a book um, called The Insanity of God. I knew Faith was gonna woohoo this. I said this last, uh, last um, like if, if Faith's sitting there, she's gonna woohoo. Uh, now, f- full disclosure, I have not read this. I'm classic for half reading a million books. Um, but this book is just so amazing by a guy named Nick Ripkin, which is not his actual name. Uh, and he tells a story, and he tells a story of other people just taking huge risk for God. And he finds himself in Somalia, and he's serving the Lord there and just in very uncomfortable places. But he says this when he was 11. Um, he was in church, and, um, oh man, I really should have dog-eared this, and I said this last service, and I forgot, oh, there it is. Um, he was 11 years old, he was sitting in church, and he heard somebody preaching the gospel. And it was really powerful. And this is what he said. He said, for the first time, I understood something of the price that Jesus paid for the sins of the world. I could imagine the deep despair the disciples must have felt after he died when his body was placed in that tomb. What a dark day that Saturday must have been. When the preacher finally got to the Easter morning part of the story, the part about the rolled away stone, the angel, the empty tomb, and the resurrected Jesus, something deep inside me wanted to shout out loud, hooray! I felt like breaking into song just like the crowds in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. As I tried to imagine what would happen if I actually did that, I quickly glanced around at the people around me. Other children were drawing or writing on their bulletins. Some fidgeted. Others stared blankly deep into their private daydreams. The majority of adults that I could see were sitting and listening intently, looking and acting no different from any other Sunday during that sermon. That did not compute with my 11-year-old mind. I simply could not fathom how it was that nobody cared enough to be truly celebrating this incredible story about Jesus' death and resurrection that we were hearing, unless the very thought quickly and completely squelched the spirit that I had been feeling that morning. Unless the reason that the people sitting around me in church that Sunday were not getting excited about the Easter story because they had heard the story so many times. Maybe they had heard the story so many times before that now they saw it as just a story. I'm sure that they believed that it was the truth, but it was a truth that had very little to do with their real life. Evidently, it was a story that did not demand much excitement or response. Evidently, it was just another good story, maybe even a great story, which I needed to relegate to my once-upon-a-time file, along with a lot of other entertaining and inspiring tales that I had heard at other times. When I walked out of that Easter Sunday service that morning, that is exactly what I did. I mentally filed the resurrection story away as interesting. The resurrection story is not interesting. It is the bedrock of everything that we do. 
And if we don't believe in the gospel, if we don't believe that, as Colossians said, that we were not just far away from God, but we were enemies of God without Jesus. We were hopelessly separated from Jesus. We were hopelessly separated from God without Jesus. And in Colossians, I love it, it says, but then Jesus came and he bridged that gap and he conveyed us, so he picked us up and he brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And this story, you guys, it happened. It's not just a great once upon a time. It happened. Jesus' disciples stood there as he said, go unto all the nations and tell them. Tell them what's been going on. Disciple them. Tell them what happened here because this is the hope of the world. When we truly grasp the gospel, going becomes a lot easier. It's not because we're pressuring ourselves to do the right thing or we're just trying to guilt ourselves or each other to do the right thing. No, when you truly grasp the goodness of Jesus, you say, here I am, Lord, send me wherever you want to send me. Let's all stand up. Maybe today you're here and you've been hearing the gospel message your whole life and it's starting to lose power. This morning, my challenge to you is pray that God would remind you of your first love of him. That he would remind you of the beauty and the power of the gospel that saved you and conveyed you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But maybe you're here and you don't know anything about Jesus. Maybe you wandered here. Maybe your friends or family coerced you into coming. Great. We're glad you're here. And maybe you're feeling like the Lord is actually speaking. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is knocking at your heart right now. Let's all bow our heads in prayer. And if that's you this morning, if you're feeling just the weight of all of your mistakes, if you're feeling completely hopeless, if you know you want to be close to God, but you don't know where to start, you've come here for a purpose today. If you're feeling like you've made such a mess of your relationships, of the things around you that you can't imagine anyone making anything good out of it, I have good news today for you that Jesus can do that. He really, truly can. And if that's you this morning, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, just meaning that he's in charge of your life, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. And so if that's you this morning, if you're feeling that burning from the Holy Spirit, would you just raise your hand? Just you and me. People have their eyes closed around the room. If this is you, would you just raise your hand? Would you be so bold? (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. If that's you, just 
Repeat this prayer after me. This is not a magic prayer. That means your life will be perfect. It's just the beginning of a new relationship with Jesus. And we'd love the opportunity to talk with you, but just pray this after me. Jesus, I am sorry. I have fallen way short. And I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again to bring me new life. And Jesus, today, I commit to following you for the rest of my life. Come be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.